Praise God. Get through that wilderness and you'll reach Jubilee. Praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. God is always so good to us. His kindness and mercy. Amen. We want Brother DeMuth to come at this time. Amen. And minister the word of the Lord to us today. Amen. God bless Brother DeMuth. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we bind every devil. Father, we bind every spirit, every demon. We bind every hindrance to what you're doing in this service today. We bind it in Jesus' name. We command that your spirit be loosed in this place, Lord Jesus, your angels to minister in this place today in Jesus' name. Lord, have your way. Have your way today, Lord Jesus. We love you. We honor you. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We adore you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. To the book of Romans, chapter 6 and verse 1. Amen. Book of Romans, chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and, and it reads as thus, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? We were dead in sin. Paul was talking about, but now we're dead to sin. Amen? Verse, go ahead, next verse. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That was the whole point of him dying on the cross. Amen? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father... He didn't raise himself up. He was raised up by the glory of the Father. So, even so, we also shall walk in newness of life. Not of our own volition, but because he has raised us up. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It doesn't say that we will never ever again serve sin, but it says that we should not serve sin. Kind of leaves it up to us a little bit, doesn't it? For he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Anybody bring your shovel today? Because if you did, you need to put it away. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll explain real quick. Sometimes when we come to church, we sort of bring our own little shovel with us. And when something is said, something is preached, we tend to shovel that back to somebody else and say, that's not for me. That's for sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so back there. I know they need this. 
but we need to put our shovel away. Matter of fact, we don't even need to bring our shovel to church. Amen. Because everything that is preached from the Word of God is for us. Amen. I didn't get to the altar and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost without the Word of God being preached. Amen. I didn't understand the need for baptism in Jesus' name without the Word of God being preached. And I didn't get to that place where I stood up and said, okay, it's time for me to go take take care of those things. Amen. By shoveling it back to somebody else. Amen. I might have done that for a while, but eventually God got a hold of me. And I had to respond to that. And so we we need to realize that when we come to this place, you know, we were singing that song just a second ago, and and oh, how He loves us. Amen. And you know what? He loves us enough as our Heavenly Father to not leave us the way that we are. But He won't violate our will either because He gave us that will to choose. Amen. We've already kind of had that this morning. And so He's not going to violate our will. And so we've got to have a, a made-up mind. Amen. That we're going to do this thing. And so the title of the message this morning is, Dead People Don't Care. Dead People Don't Care. Now, I don't, it had to be God, and he dropped this in my mind while I was just driving down the road. I knew that I had to preach. I wasn't really praying, oh God, give me a message. I was on my way up into Minnesota for an appointment. And I just happened to drive past this cemetery, and God just said to me in my mind, dead people don't care. And that day, I think maybe it was raining or something, and and it was just like, it was like, wow, they don't care if it's raining. They don't care if I'm driving by. And I, I began to think about my own life. My father died at 57 years old. I'm 57 years old, and I remember being at that funeral, and, and the, the days leading up to the day they buried him, it was beautiful and sunshiny, and even though it was a terrible time, and got to see all these people I hadn't seen that came and were just flabbergasted that my young father of 57 had passed away so young, and so the day of the, the funeral and the burial came, and it was raining, you know, and I thought about, you know, my dad didn't care if it was raining that day. He didn't care if certain people didn't come to his funeral. He didn't care if there were family members fighting over whatever it was he had left. He didn't care that it was raining the day they put his casket in the ground. And then we've all, we can all relate back in our mind to funerals that we've been to. And, and I've been to funerals where it was cold outside and we had to all wear jackets and, and all these kind of things. And, but the person that's dead doesn't care anymore. They don't care if their bills are due. They don't care. They just don't care. They don't care if there's heavy traffic that day. They just don't care. And that's the beauty of being a dead person. Because nothing phases you anymore. And I'm going somewhere with this. And, and you might be chuckling now, but you might not be chuckling by the time I get through. Amen. So get it all out of your system now. Because <laughs> God's been preparing you for this through all these songs that are sung and everything. I was sitting over there going, okay, God, 
when am I going to get up there? And he just said, just be, be calm. I'm setting some things up. So God knows what he's doing today. And so our world today says that we should be our, our own boss, right? You know, I, I get all these emails about leadership and, and, and now there's a guy that's, that's having a, he, I got this, I don't know where they got my email, but this guy's gonna create this blog, blog called self-leadership training. And it's all about yourself and it's all about preparing yourself and making yourself somebody. And determining your own destiny and mapping out your own life. And doing the things that are necessary to make it all happen just the way you want it to. Right? Isn't that the way God wants us to do things? Map out our own life and determine our own destiny. And and so we can make everything happen the way we want it to. Right? I'm not getting any, any votes on that one. So that's not how God works, is it? Amen. Because why, why is that? Because that's in, that's implying that we are in charge. That we are in control. That we are dictating to Him how things should be in our life. And that's not the attitude of a dead person. Amen. That might work for the world, but it is totally contrary to the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for our life. So the people of Israel, we were already talking about this this morning. The people of Israel, they were doing great when they were obeying God. When he came to them and said, you're going to be my people and I'm going to deliver you out of Egypt. And they went through all those things. And and it wasn't long before they were right back in their nasty attitudes and God was having to deal with them. Why is that? Because he gave them a choice and he said, if you'll die and do what I tell you to do, die out to your way of doing things, just forget all of that. And if you'll do things the way I tell you to do it, if you'll follow my laws, if you'll do the things that I've commanded you to do, life's going to be good. We were talking about that yesterday, about they didn't even have to work. All they had to do was just get up and eat and hang out on the porch and drink some tea and then wait for the food to come again. But they had to mess that up. Why? Because they weren't willing to die. They weren't willing to die. Abraham was the same way. God had to use Abraham, but before he could use him, he had to cause him to die. Joseph was the same way. He went through 22 years, I think, of all kinds of stuff, being accused of rape and all kinds of things and living in a dungeon and and being forgotten. And what was God doing through all of that? He was dealing with Joseph's attitude. He was preparing Joseph's heart, soul, mind, and strength so that he could do the things that he needed to do and do it with the right motive and the right attitude when God elevated him to that second in command in all of Egypt. And God knew he couldn't leave. He couldn't just elevate him without dealing with his attitude first. And when God saw that he was good and dead, he said, okay, now's the time. And he elevated him. God knew exactly when to elevate him. Esther was the same way. What did she say when, when it came down to push come to shove? What did Esther say? If I perish, I perish. It was all about saving her people. She was willing to throw herself before her husband, the king, and be taken out 
for the sake of her people to save the lives of, of a whole nation. For How do you know that you've not been put in this place, Esther, for such a time as this? And she had to go through some stuff to get to that place. It wasn't comfortable what she went through. She had to die out to who she was. She, didn't, she had to even give herself a different name than her Jewish name. Amen. And all the prophets and, and the disciples of Jesus Christ, even Job, who was a man that walked after God's own heart, and you would think, wow, he, he doesn't have far to go. He's, he might as well just be just taken out of here like one other individual was in the Bible. But no, there was something inside of Job that God had to deal with because he was fixing to elevate him. But he knew if he elevated him with that, whatever that was in there, he wasn't completely dead. It was going to be a mess. So God allowed the devil to do these things to Job, to get, put boils on his body and take out his kids and take out all of his stuff. To us. Amen. When Paul was praying about getting rid of that that thorn in the flesh, what did it say? It was a messenger of Satan sent to him. It was a gift. It was sent to him to buffet him. Why? Because he was God was giving him some revelation and some things that he was not going to be able to handle if he was too much about Paul, Saul and not about being Paul. Saul, Saul means desired. Paul means small or little. He had to make him small or little before he could use him. Amen? Galatians five sixteen through 18 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say you won't have the lust of the flesh. It says you won't fulfill it. So that implies to me that there, you're going to have... Lust of the flesh. But if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill. And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Be dead to who you are, to what your wants are, to what your desires are, to what you think should happen, how you think it should happen. And it goes on to say, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. Anybody experience that in here besides me? That battle every day? Your flesh wants to do one thing, and your spirit knows you got to do something else. And you got to know which the voice of God is going to tell you what to do. And that, and that all goes back to having that word in there, that filter, so you can say, wait a minute, the word of God says this. Well, this is what I should do then. So that you cannot do the things that you would, but if you had, were led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Everything that the Apostle Paul was did was not about him living for the Lord. It was about him dying every single day. You know, Paul thought he had it made when it was Saul, when he was crucified and when he was persecuting the Christians and taking the Christians out. But there came a day when, when that all changed, when he got his eyes blinded and some things happened. And God began to open his eyes, and the change began to take place. And from that day forward, Paul began to die. Amen? It's not only when we die daily to the flesh and submit our human will to him, 
that he can use us and get all the glory for it. We have to do we have to do it. He will not usurp our will. We have to willingly submit. When I went to that altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I had to get up out of my chair and I had to say to myself, I need this. And that was, you know, no man comes to him except he draws them. So I had to die to who I was to even receive that. Amen. It's not about who I am anymore. It's about what he wants me to be. Jesus himself said had to die long before he ever went to the cross. If you think about it, if you look at his life, he was dying before he ever got to the cross and died for us. He was dying out because he was flesh. And he had to die out to this flesh just like we do. That's why he is that one that can feel after our infirmities. He understands what we're going through. And that's why he can be there to help us to do as he did, to die. It's only in him, the Bible says, that we live and move and have our being. Amen. If we're doing that outside of his will, we're on our own. Now, how many wants to be on your own, completely on your own, without God involved in your life at all? Go ahead. That's not being dead. That's being in control of your life. Death, when you're dead, you don't care what happens in your life. The Bible talks about casting all your care. And that word care means worry or concern or anxiety. Casting all your care upon him in 1 Peter 5 and 7. It's the equivalent of dying to self. What are, we can't change, I can't change one color of my hair and I can't put one back, Brother Miller, when it falls out. But God knows. He's got all that in control if I'll just let him be in control. Because if I don't, if I, when you, to me, when casting all your care, that's like saying, these, well, these are the things that matter to me. When you can say about those things that matter to you, it doesn't matter. Whatever God's doing, it doesn't matter to me. He's in control. I don't get to control. I don't get to even put my hand on the steering wheel. Hallelujah. Matthew 6 and 10, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Doesn't it? Whose kingdom is it talking about? His kingdom. That's Jesus telling the disciples, they said, teach us to pray. He said, okay. And so he taught them how to pray. He gave them a sample of here's how I want you to pray. And, and part of their prayer is thy kingdom come. It's his kingdom. It's not our kingdom. Thy will be done. Not my will. That's what he prayed, isn't it? Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. Not as I will, but as thou will. His flesh didn't want to die. He didn't want to have to go to that cross in the flesh. None of us really want to die, do we? To ourselves, We don't. That's, he, he put that in us. We can't help it. We want to be in control. But that's where, that's where the line is. That's where he's asking us to draw the line and say, I'm going to step over the line, God. I'm not in control anymore. That's the line. I'm not, I'm not in control. I'll never forget a missionary... Sister Miller, um, I don't know if she's in the mission field anymore, but she was talking about God brought her to a place in her life where it was like she had this vision where she was standing at the edge of a cliff and there was fog and she couldn't see anything. And she was saying, okay, God, what's this? And God told her, just step off. 
And in, in the vision, it's like real. Like she's a, she don't know how deep it is or what's down there, rocks or whatever. And he just said, if you'll just step off, I'll take care of you. And he was telling her something in the spirit, in a vision, so that he, she could understand that I'm taking you somewhere that you're not going to understand and, and you're not going to like it. And it's going to be scary, but I want you to just step off and go. And, and I don't know exactly the details, but God was taking her to a place that she had never been before. And that's a scary place. To find ourselves in a place where God's asking us to do something or go somewhere that we've never done before. And it's scary. But we have to trust our Father. We were talking about that this morning. Our Heavenly Father is just like our natural Father. He, he's not going to give us a stone or a serpent. He loves us. He's going to give us what we need, even if it's a correction. He's going to give us what we need. And we don't like to receive correction. Anybody in here like to receive correction? I don't remember ever liking to receive correction from my dad. He was a hard disciplinarian with five kids, so he had to be. I never remember ever telling my brothers, man, I enjoyed that. I wish he would, you know, thank you, Sergeant, give me another, right? (laughs) Drop me for another 40. You know, I never said that. We don't like that. We don't like being dead to ourselves. Amen. Everybody likes to be in control. Amen? So Peter had to die many times. Peter's dying started when he walked away from his father and away from his boat, his business. He started dying, and he kept on dying, and he never stopped dying until he literally physically died. A violent death for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God never stopped asking him to die. Do you think that wasn't dying when he was up on that house and God brought that sheet down and said, take and eat? He said, oh, no, I'm a Jew. I can't eat that. He said, don't you call dirty what I've called clean. And then what happened right after that? God was preparing him to go talk to Cornelius. So I'm asking myself, well, why couldn't God just tell Cornelius himself? Oh, no, he couldn't do that. He had to deal with Peter and he had to deal with Cornelius. Because he was a Gentile. He had this kind of little attitude about the Jews. So God was dealing with Cornelius because he was going to use him. And he was dealing with Peter and all those guys that came with him because they were Jews and they had certain attitudes about the Gentiles. So God never stopped causing Peter to have to die out to who he was. Right? And and it's, you know, you say that, this is who I am. This, This is how God made me. This is my personality. But do you think God's going to... Ask Job to die out and not ask you to die out? You think God's going to send some physical ailments like boils? I heard one preacher describe who had had a boil. Describe in detail what it's like to have a boil. And it looks, sounds painful like you wouldn't believe. And he had them all over his body. And if God is a merciful God who's trying to help Job be all that he can be for the kingdom is going to allow Job to go through that, you think he's going to, well, that's only for Job. That's for nobody else. That was just for one-time deal, right? No. That's not, that's, not how, that's not how God works. So there's a tearing down process that takes place. Just like when we go to, to military boot camp, it's a tearing down. They've got to tear you down first so that they can build you back up to be what they need you to be. And it's not fun, is it? Anybody remember it being fun? Except for the drill sergeants. 
Right? Yeah, I don't even know if it was that fun for them, really. 90 hours a week. Yeah, that funness of that went wear out real quick. Amen. But it wasn't fun being torn down. It wasn't fun for them to just tear down who you, your very person, to make you to be something else. But we endured that, didn't we? Why won't we endure that when God wants to tear us down and use situations and circumstances in our life to make us to be something different than what we are right now? Amen? Amen. As one preacher said, don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for what you are in God. Don't be settled. Don't be satisfied. Don't, don't get your plate. Make, don't, don't, don't take your ease in Zion. Amen. Don't get down in that valley place and, and just say, it's so nice down here and there's a little brook going by and everything is just so cool down here and I think I'll just sit down and take a nap and, and life's so good and God will just pass you by. I don't want God to pass me by. Amen? Praise God. So there had to be a tearing down. In the lives of these, if you look at every individual that God used, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and every single individual that God used, if you were to study their life, you will find that God had to cause them to die over and over and over again. Amen? The New Testament church was no different. Everything that, that God asked them to do from the day of Pentecost would not be fall under the category of fun or pleasing to the flesh. Would you say that? That was a pretty profound situation. They had just witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then they had witnessed the promise of the Father being poured out. That's a pretty, that's a pretty awesome thing to have to go through all those things all at one time. It would just blow your mind. And so they knew what they had to do. They knew what the Great Commission was. And they knew that it wasn't about them. And, you know, Jesus had talked to that rich young ruler who had said, well, I've done all these things and I've, I've followed all the commandments. What else is there? What did he tell him? Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. And great is going to be your reward in heaven. And what did the Bible say? He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And so God's asking us to do that. And so what did the church do? In Acts chapter 2, verse 39 through 47, one of the things they did was they sold all their possessions. They sold their land. They sold everything. And gave it to the poor. The same thing they had told the rich young ruler to do, here they were doing it. Well, what was the difference? They had the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God was leading them, literally telling them, Sell your land. Give it away. Would we do that today if God told us to do that? If we knew that God was telling us to do that, would we step over the cliff and do it into that unknown zone? Would we do it? That's a question. I don't, I don't know if you can answer that question right now. That's kind of a rhetorical question, but that's something you need to think about. If God asks you to go do something or or whatever that, that you don't want to do in your flesh, would you do it? Amen? 
How many people have said no to God telling them, go to this town or go to this city that's way away from any, you know, way away from civilization as we call it, Walmart and everything else like that. God calls a man to go to some little podunk town somewhere in Connecticut. He says, ah, that's just too hard. I don't want to do that. So they don't go. Is anything too hard for God? But sometimes things are too hard for us. Now, I, in my mind, I'm just thinking, how many men have said no to those propositions that God has said, I'm, I'm sending you there. If you'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you. And they've said no. I'm not willing to die that much. Amen. You know, it's an all-in proposition when we get into this. Either you're all in or you're, or you're not. And God's going to try you, and he's going to take you through some stuff to find out what you're made of. To find out if you're really dead, and if you're willing to die some more. Jesus knew that our fleshly nature was going to get in our way. And would get the best of us. And he tried to warn the disciples. Matthew 26, 31. Matthew 26, 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, You shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Haven't we all said stuff like that? Oh, no, I'll never be offended. I'll, I'll serve God forever. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. He was trying to tell him. We mean well sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Amen. And so, Peter had was getting ready to go through another one of those moments where he was going to have to die. And what is it? It goes on to say that he went away and wept bitterly. Because at the moment that the cock crowed, the Bible says he was right there within eyeshot of Jesus Christ, and Jesus just turned and looked at him. And like this look, like, see, I told you so. You said in your flesh you weren't going to do it, but I, I as God, already knew what you were going to do. And he, he left it up to Peter. Peter could have gone another direction. He could have said, yep, I'm one of them. But when push came to shove, he denied him three times. Amen. And so we're no different than that. Jesus knows what we're capable of on both sides of that coin, whether we're capable of making a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to step off that cliff. I don't know what it means. I might, you know, I might die. Literally. I might physically die. But God knows that. You know, you know, we all kind of joke around about, and I hear people in the world say, well, God hadn't called my number yet. You know, like you're at the DMV or something getting your license. God hadn't called my number yet. You know, but he knows the day of our death. And he knows when our time is to go. And, and until it's our time to go, it's our it's our responsibility as apostolics and as people of God to do what he's asking us to do, even if it doesn't make sense, especially if it doesn't make sense, especially if we don't like it. Because most of the stuff he's going to ask us to do, we're not going to like it. He's not going to make it easy on us. 
Like that song, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Right? He did not promise us that life would just be wonderful and we would have no troubles or trials or difficulties or anything to have to face. Or sickness or disease or anything. He never promised us that. (laughs) Once again, if you read the stories of all the people that were used of God, that's all they had was troubles and trials. And it was all about making sure that they were dead. God doesn't care about our pedigree. He doesn't care about where we came from. He doesn't care about our background, how bad it was or how good it was. He doesn't care about any of that. He, all he wants is one thing out of us. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. That's what he wants, our willing obedience. And what he really wants is for us to die. Amen. He wants our willing, complete, submitted obedience to his will, not our will. Like Jesus said, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. That's an easy scripture to quote, but that's a hard principle to have to apply in our life. And say, I don't understand, God. I don't want to go down this road like a little kid kicking and screaming. I don't want to go to school today, Maya. I just want to stay home. Right? That's how we are. That's how he sees us when we're like that. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. You know, salvation wasn't on our terms. You remember? We didn't tell God, we didn't give God a list of terms and say, I'll get saved if this, 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 and this happens. And I'll come to the altar and receive the Holy Ghost if you'll do this, 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 and this. He didn't. It wasn't on our terms, was it? It was on his terms. We had to submit all of our terms and say, nope, what I, li- what I think, what I feel, what I like doesn't matter. I'm, I need this so bad, I'm willing to lay everything down. We might not have said those words when we received the Holy Ghost, but we were thinking it. We were willing to die to do whatever it took to get that, receive that baptism of the Holy Ghost, to have that salvation, to feel that peace in our life. And we forget that sometimes, that we really did die that day. Because we were buried with him by baptism, right? That we would rise up and walk in newness of life. And we would forget that we were buried. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with an excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He was fearful he was here as a man of God that God had done some things in his life. And he was here. He was having to handle the word of God to the people of God. And it was it was a scary thing. He didn't want to he didn't want to mess things up, mess up the people of God. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so what to me what he was saying there is this is not me talking. This is God. That that flow, you know the Bible says that rivers of living water shall flow out of us. And that's that flow that he was talking about that he was saying it's God talking through me. I want it to be God talking through me. I don't want it to be Paul's wisdom because Paul was an educated man. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew the religious things. He knew all these things. 
But he didn't want any of that to come out. He wanted it all to be from God so that he didn't get any credit. Because, again, Paul was in the process, in God's process, and God's process was to continually die. He prayed that that thorn in the flesh might leave him. I think that thorn in the flesh was the constant wave of things happening in his life. You know, he talks about how he was stoned and and all those things that happened in his life and shipwrecked and beaten five times and all those things that happened in his life. I think he was just trying to say, God, I'll serve you. I'll preach for you if you'll just stop all this stuff from happening in my life. Stop making me die all the time. God said, no. What did he say? My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. As long as I keep you down, keep you weak, you'll serve me. If I let you get a little lifted up, you might walk away. Demas walked away. The Bible said, having loved this present world. Demas had the same Holy Ghost that Paul had. Demas had the same experience that we had. What happened? He wasn't willing to die enough. He reached a point where he said, I'll go this far, but I'm not going any further than that. Amen. And we got to be careful that we're not guilty of that in our own walk with God. God, I'll serve you up to this point, but if you ask me to go any further than right here, I'm not going that f- any further than right here, God. If I, if I have to go any further than here, I'm out of here. And you think that doesn't happen? We have people walk away from our churches every day, preachers turning their license and everything. Because they aren't willing to go another step. Because they, they're drawing the line. They're taking control. They're saying, God, I'll serve you up to here, but I won't serve you any further than that. Amen. And that's not, that's not what we signed up for, is it? <laughs> it's whatever he decides to do in our life. What do you do when your wife has cancer and God speaks to you and says, this is not me, somebody else. God says, I don't even want you to pray for her. I'm not even. If you pray, I'm not going to answer it because that's this is happening for a reason. This, I'm trying to help you increase your faith. And he let that man's wife have cancer and, and let him not pray for her. Amen. And as he's coming through that, God's dealing with him and her, and he's working some things in her life. And and she's been through the cancer and she's had the chemo, and and things are coming out. They're, they're coming out the other side of it, but God wouldn't let them. He wouldn't let them deal with that like before. He'd healed her once before. This time he said, no, no, this is my deal. I'm doing this. And we think, oh, God wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. He'd, keep, he'd give you cancer to keep you in church so that you wouldn't go back out in the world again. Now, I, just, I believe that. <laughs> you might not, but I believe that. Amen. Because if you pray a prayer, God save me by whatever means, he's going to do it. you got to be careful praying those kind of prayers. <laughs> I know a lady back in Kentucky, or a guy in Kentucky, prayed for a family member, God, do whatever you got to do to get my brother back in church. And his brother ended up in the hospital, deathly ill. And his next prayer was, well, I didn't mean that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and God said, you prayed it. You know, this is what it's going to take to get him back in church. This is what I'm doing. And, the, and, you know, the guy came out of it and everything happened. Everything was fine, but that's what God does sometimes. Paul talked about in Acts 
9 and, and verse 10. I'm not going to go there, but he talked about how great things he must suffer for the sake of the kingdom. And if that was good enough for Paul, why isn't that good enough for us? Right? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above. Which implies, don't set your affections on... And it goes on to say, not on things under the earth. Things on the earth. For ye are dead. Who's he talking to? Everybody say me. Because he's talking to the church. And the book of Acts never ends, so he's talking to the church. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So it's like... It's like you're hid with... You're behind him. So it's not about you anyway. You're hid behind Him. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? What? Wait a minute. I'm not my own? Because I was bought with a price, he paid the ultimate price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. And if they're God's, if everything about you, if your life, your attitudes, your decisions, if everything about you belongs to God, that means what? That you're dead. Amen. Dead men tell no tales, right? Amen. Dead men don't argue with the God that they're serving. They don't argue with God. Now, you know, we're, we're God's children, and we might say why sometimes, and He might say, I'm not going to tell you why. Or He might let us find out why later. After we'd gone down the road a little bit, and we look back and go, oh, now I see why I had to go through that. Right, Sister Linda? The trials and the tests had to be there in your life so that you'd have a testimony, so that you could tell somebody, here's what God's brought me through. It hasn't been all rosy up to this point, but I'm still here. I'm still serving Him. I'm not quitting. Amen. I already talked about Demas. He wasn't dead enough. Amen. I hope this is ministering to somebody. I hope somebody hasn't gotten their shovel out. Because this isn't for somebody else. This is for you today. And I'm talking to all the young people too. You can't say, well, when I get older, I'll die. When I get older, I'll serve the Lord and I'll die out to myself. You can't wait. I'm sorry. Joel Urshan started preaching. He was evangelizing at 15, I think, or 14. So you, you can't wait. He's not, he's not saying, well, you're young people. I'll give you a, I'll give you a pass until you're 18. Or, he doesn't do that. David was king at how? 15. Right? So this is for everybody in this building. And it was for me first. Because he's been dealing with me ever since he gave me that title. Because he's trying to tell me i got to die. 
And I'm not done dying yet. That's what he told me. <laughs> it ain't over. The roller coaster ride ain't over. Just when you think you got to the last hill, here comes another one. Oh, my God, i got to go down another steep hill again. Oh, my gosh. I can't see the bottom. What's going to happen? It doesn't matter. You're dead. You don't care. Acts 20 and 22 says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit in Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there. God was constantly sending Paul to places, and he wouldn't, he'd just leave him totally in the dark. Say that the Holy Ghost witnesses solemnly urged, witnesseth, which is a solemn urge or an, an exhortation or a warning in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Hey, guess what, Paul? I'm sending you somewhere, and there's going to be some bonds and afflictions. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. But none of these things move me, Paul said. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and ministry. And the ministry, not my ministry, doesn't say my ministry. He says, which I received of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not just talking about preachers either. If you're alive and breathing in this room, you have a ministry. Amen? To testify the gospel of the... That's the ministry, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That same scripture in the Message Bible says, But there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I completely, I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. How many likes being in the dark? Having no, no idea. Now, I'm not talking about the dark like the lights are off in the room. I had a hand up. I had to deal with that. No, I'm talking about being in the dark as you don't know any details. You're not given. You're just, it's just like a guy that's working for special forces or something. They hand him an airplane ticket and say, you're flying. We're not telling you where. You'll know when you get there. Why am I going there? We're not telling you right now. You'll know when you get there. Totally gone in the dark. But that's their job. They gotta get the, they gotta get on the airplane and go. And that's what God's asking for us to do. Trust me. I'm gonna send you out in the dark. I'm not gonna give you an itinerary. I'm not gonna tell you what's gonna happen when you get there. I'm not gonna tell you all the bad stuff that's gonna befall you, but I want you to go. Amen. I, and it goes on to say in verse 23, I do not know that, that it won't be a picnic. For the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. Yay! I'm going to get to go to prison again. I wonder if, they have, wonder if that prison has better food than the last one. I'm sure that's what Paul was thinking, right? No. But, the, but that matters little. What matters most is to me is to finish what God started. He which hath begun a good work in you, Philippians 1 and 6, will, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to read that again. But that, but that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant 
generosity of God. Amen? We don't, Brother Miller already said it, we don't deserve this. <laughs> we don't deserve anything. Amen. We deserve to die. And that's what he's asking us to do, is to die. So we say, I serve the Lord and I live for the Lord and all those kind of terminologies. But really, what we're really saying when I say, I'm living for the Lord. No, you're, what you're saying is, I'm dying for the Lord. Because it's not about you. It's about Him working through you. You know, let the love of Jesus Christ be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let them see Jesus before they ever see us. Even when I go on these appointments for this insurance business, before I walk in the door, I sit in my truck and I pray, God, let them see you before they see me. I want that, that appointment with that customer to be a, an opportunity for them to see Jesus. If they don't see nothing else, if they don't buy a lick of insurance from me, I want them to remember they felt something when I walked in that room. And they felt the presence and the power of God. And you think, well, you don't do that, Brother DeMuth. Yes, I do. A lot of times when I'm going to those appointments, I'm just I'm talking to Jesus, praying in tongues. I'm just going down the road. It's an hour and a half drive. I'm I gotta do something. There's nothing on the radio, nothing I want to hear. I'm spending time with the Father. God, let him sign up for some insurance, but let him feel Jesus. <laughs> right. Second <laughs> Corinthians eleven twenty eight says, Besides all these things that that are without. He was talking about all the stuff that he went through, all the shipwrecks and all of his people that he thought were his friends, abusing him and accusing him and all these things that he went through. He said, but above all these, besides all these things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He was like a bishop. He had to care for all these churches he started, all the problems, all the struggles, all the difficulties that they were facing, all that pressure on him, that anxiety upon him on top of being beaten half to death over and over and over and over and all the stuff that he went through. You think he'd be dead enough by now, right? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. In the Message Bible, that verse says, If I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. How many likes to be humiliated? I don't have any hands this time. How many likes to be made fun of? Let me use terminology from school. How many likes to be bullied? How many likes to be treated badly by somebody for no reason? Nobody. You think Paul went through that? He sure did. A lot. A lot. And we call him the greatest preacher that there ever was in the Bible. And what did he say? Follow me as I follow Christ. How many wants to follow Paul? Knowing everything he went through. Gabriel's the only one that raised his hand. Oh, she did. And knowing what Paul went through. How many still want to follow Paul? We think, well, we read about that, and that's just for that was just for then, for first 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 in it, for the the first year of the church. Well, no, 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 that's for right now. What are you going through right now that God has asked you? What are you willing to go through for the sake of the kingdom? 
Or are we just willing to be satisfied to just come in here and just punch our clock and just do what we got to do and say, I, I did my thing. I did my church thing. You know, I got away from that when I left the Catholic Church. I shouldn't have said that. But that's my background. That's where I came from. That's, that's the foundation God gave me to start with. But that's all they were about. And I go to funerals at, at home with family, and that's where we have to go do the funerals. And it's the same thing as it was 40 years ago. It's dead. And I don't want to go back to that. Amen. I want to be challenged to do something. It's our obedience that he wants. And I'm coming to a close. <clears throat> One pastor, I was kind of started doing my... <laughs> Hallelujah. Just say how you really feel. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. One pastor on Twitter this morning said this, To be used of God, you must step down from your pedestal of self and kneel at the cross of selflessness. Let me read that again. To be used of God, you must step down from the pedestal of self and kneel at the cross of selflessness. What is selflessness? That's not about you, is it? There's no, there's no you there. It's all about Him. It's all about being dead. And you're saying, everybody was laughing at the beginning, dead people don't care, but it's true. Dead people really don't care what God asked them to do. What, send me, God. If i got to go through something, so be it. Amen. Every one of the disciples died a violent death except one. And they still tried to kill him. They put him in a, boil, a pot of boiling oil. <laughs> and he just wouldn't die. And that had to be the grace and mercy of God. You know, I, I, I've seen that in a cartoon once when I was a kid. Them dumping some cartoon character in a pot of boiling oil. But I, I mean, I can't imagine that. That would boil your flesh off. And, and John survived that. And he wrote the book of Revelation. Amen. And, and we, we complain when we have, God asks us to do something that's not comfortable for us. Right? Sister Parker, you can start playing that song. You know, the, in the Bible, God refers to us in a lot of ways. He calls us the branch. He calls him the vine. We, the branch doesn't tell the vine what to do. The branch just hangs there on the vine and gets its everything from the, the vine. As long as you stay connected to the vine, you're good. Right? We're the clay. We're not the potter. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. Clay just sits there. Let's the potter mold it, make it to be what he wants it to be. We are the creation, not the creator. We don't get to have a say. 